The information provided in this podcast is of a general nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast. Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Agriculture Victoria and Mallee Sustainable Farming. Through funding from the Victorian Government's 2019-20 Drought Support Package. Grazing crops are a great opportunity to try and fill an early feed gap. Good rains at the start of autumn have brought a reprieve from the drought and for many this is an opportunity to establish some ground cover and produce some early feed. To talk about grazing options and livestock management, I'm joined in the Ag Talk Victoria studio by Daniel Schupin, Livestock Consultant with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Thanks for your time, Daniel. Now, your background's pastoral farming, but that's just been a bit of a starting point from what I understand in terms of all your work in low rainfall grazing systems. Uh, yes, true. Yeah, the last 15 years I've um, worked with producers on Air Peninsula, the Upper North and the Mallee of South Australia. Um, and yes, I yeah, grew up on a partial property north of the river, so I do know how to deal with short growing seasons. In that time, over the last 15 years, I've managed a number of benchmarking groups and benchmarked many individual sheep enterprises. And this has really allowed me to have a really good insight and understanding of what makes a good sheep enterprise in the low rainfall environments. The last three years have been particularly testing times and majority of my time has been taken up in the last three years of preparing feed budgets for producers who had to confine their stock or lock up their stock for, in some cases, six to eight months and, or more in each of the last three years. This year, I'm um, yeah really looking forward to focusing on production if it keeps raining and not just survival. Daniel, in Mallee farming systems, including livestock in those systems, it's often viewed as a way of managing risk in low rainfall areas. But in recent drought years, we've seen there's been not enough feed in the system for either, really. So how can producers manage this better? Yeah, it's really important to um, have a strategic plan that has flexibility and that way you can weave your way through that seasonal variation or the variation within the year. I know most of you will have it in your head, but I do encourage you to have a written plan and make that plan available to everybody in the business and that way everyone has direction and know which way they're heading going forward. So how can you, as managers, manage that variability? I guess number one thing is still producers need to manage there and adjust their stocking rates according to the seasons. And that can be difficult in those low rainfall environments as far as closeness to markets, etc. But then there's a lot of falls and against of trading stocks. So then at most times supplementary feeding is always going to be required. And some producers I work with will have enough supplementary feed on hand to feed their livestock for every day between one to two years potentially depends on how they want to sleep at night time so it all comes back to producers doing a feed budget for different times of year and getting a good handle on how many hectares of feeds was required in a good year average year or even that that poor season so I like to think of it as feed wedges across the year obviously our dry feed and then our green feed and then we can break that down even further into Components of those dry feed of stubbles or depending on your setup, standing crops or spray top paddocks. And then we've got our green feed, our sown feed or our regenerating pastures. So you can um, throw into that mixed confinement feeding as well as one of your feed wedges. So, yeah, getting back to that strategic planning, yeah, sown feed is definitely an option 
in the livestock system that provides that system a lot of flexibility. So I do definitely like a percentage of your pasture or the area winter grazed area that you've left out for that season as a cereal or even as a veg. In the case of a cereal, uh, it can definitely give you that early feed that is really good quality, easy to intake by livestock due to that height of that plant. At the end of the day, you've got to sort of sit down and work out, well, for example, do you do you sow 20 to 30% of that winter grazing area that's being left out as a cereal? So there's lots of different options you can do with that 20 or 30% of that pasture. So it can be grazed green if you need it. Obviously, you're going to plan to need it, but grazed green can be spray-topped and grazed. If you've got surplus feed, it can be made into hay. We can even then let it go for grain, treat it as a crop, or we can let it go and use it as a standing um, crop to yeah, finish lambs on or lamb down or use in March, April. So it really just gives you that flexibility and options that you don't have with a, a regenerating pasture. The beauty of that is yeah, you can make the most of the good years when they come along. You talked there about the flexibility. Let's drill down into that a little bit further in terms of feed crops are becoming more and more popular because obviously they, you know, they give farmers control over supply. What then are some popular crop options? Yeah, the first thing I'd like to say is um, you really need to stick to good agronomy practices and what fits into your paddock rotations and uh, what are you going to do that paddock next year. It's really important to do that. I'm a livestock consultant and I don't like to say it, but an agronomist is the most important person in your livestock system. So it's all about growing feed and quality feed and and lots of it drives that whole system. So in regards to your options, you have um, cereals like barley, oats, strudigale, cereal rye and wheat. And then we look at our vetches and uh, the new vetches give us flexibility once again. And you might even look at something as such as canola. So, yeah, look, if we break that down, your barleys are generally going to produce good early bulk. So look for something that's got your good early vigour. So if you're looking for that early feed, once again, look at your barley. Then oats. Um, oats can give you good later feed in the season. Cereal rye is definitely an option on different soil types and important to really keep on top of grazing with cereal rye. And then finally, yeah, look, Wheat may be an option with your winter wheats in some years. Just remember, wheat's probably going to grow your lowest dry matter compared to your barley and oats and other cereals. So, And there's lots of um, specialty forage varieties out there that can be an option in low rainfalls, but, yeah, they can give you that extra production. They have larger leaves and good dry matter and quicker recovery after grazing. So, yeah, definitely an option to look at. And, yeah, they have longer growing seasons as well. So... Rather than running up and going reproductive end of the year, you can sort of keep some quality feed at the end of the year if you get some later rains into springtime. So, Well, Daniel, with some of these crops, what do you need to consider in terms of timing and when to sow? Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, if you're growing feed, we can, if you've got cover on those paddocks, we can potentially go in early and sow dry, uh, depending on if you're still waiting for that break. So that way, if the, the feed is in the ground, it can get up and going on that first rain. Also, consider um, your row spacings and sowing rates. Look, at the end of the day, it's really important to have high-density sowing rates. The more plants we have in the ground and growing, the more leaf we have and the more feed we can grow. So the more plants you got there early, look, it may not grow us any more feed over the whole season, but in a livestock system, that early feed at the break of the season is absolutely critical. So get your sowing rates right, have adequate fertiliser and look at all the ways you can produce more feed and Obviously, more leaf there capturing that sunlight and it will result in better dry matter production. The next question then, Daniel, is how should they be managed or grazed? Yeah, firstly, we really got to do a simple feed budget to get our head around um, stocking rates. 
And this will require you to understand pasture growth rates as well. And this, once again, can be done when you're building your feed wedges at the start of the season. But if we can do some simple feed budgeting based on a rule of thumb of one kilo of green dry matter per DSE per day, there's a couple of things we can do. We can work out if we put 300 lambing ewes in the paddock, how long it's going to last. Or the other option is if you have 100 hectares and you want it grazed down to half in a week or two weeks, how many sheep to actually put into that paddock. So really important to do some feed budgeting. Uh, when are those plants all ready to graze? You can start grazing once those plants are anchored uh, with their secondary roots or around that three leaf stage. So encourage it, yeah, go out in the paddock, have a bit of a walk around and do the good old pinch and twist test. If you can't pull it out, well, then neither can the stock. So then it's ready to graze. Don't be scared of going in a little bit early, especially if you've got a paddock rotation set up. It isn't easy. Um, you don't know if it's going to keep raining or probably know your moisture levels in the soil, but it's really a balancing act. If you wait too long for your first paddock to be ready to graze, or well, if you're in a rotational system, by well, the time you get to the last paddock, that can be yeah, too far gone. So once you've sort of yeah, got those stock in the paddock, it's, yeah, I guess, how, how hard do you graze it? I guess rule of thumb, avoid grazing below the white line. And just remember, you you always need that leaf there for fast recovery. So definitely leave some leaf. So you might graze back to sort of that 5 to 10 centimetres height and take them out and you can always come back to the paddock two to three times throughout the season. So, yeah, I really highly recommend rotational grazing of your sowing crops. So suggest either a number of paddocks or if you've only got a couple of paddocks or there, your couple of dedicated Winter grazing paddocks for those years are spread apart. Really look at using temporary electric fencing to, to split them up. And, yeah, split them into two paddocks is better than one or go to four paddocks is just going to be better than two. So those paddocks can be set up after seeding and be set there for the whole year. So And that just allows you to give yourself that rotational grazing system. And um, the beauty of rotational grazing is you get better feed utilisation and turn more of that feed into meat and wool and you get less selective grazing, get better um, even grazing across the paddock and less patchy growth. You will see if, if you're not doing it right, you'll get some areas of paddock ungrazed and the sheep will stay on that shorter, sweeter, better feed. So if you can get reduce that selective grazing, um, move them on, you'll get better plant recovery and better paddock managers as well. You'll stop that camping in the paddock or stop camping on sandy risers. So to be able to do this, yeah, you need more paddocks mob them up, have higher stocking densities. You might be pushing close to 30 to 50 DSE the hectare to be able to give you that good quick graze. Daniel, are there any other management considerations? There's a number of other considerations when grazing these high-quality pastures. And if you do want to allow those pastures to grow, go on and you're going to harvest some grain from those cereals, if you want that grain production, you do got to stop at grow stage 30. After that, the embryo ear starts to move up the stem and if that's damaged or grazed, your yield potential will be reduced there. Another thing to consider is uh, nitrate poisoning. So a lot of people put nitrogen out in these crops, but once again, rule of thumb, yeah, don't graze within 21 days after you put nitrogen out. And this is where if you do have your paddock split up into two or four with some electric fencing, it gives you flexibility so you can fertilise one side and, and allow it to 21 days and then graze it and then you know put the fertiliser on the section that's just been grazed. So consider your fertiliser application there. Also important to have hay out, especially on something like a really lush vetch or even a really short cereal, to have that hay out to provide some roughage and you might get away with it if you've got some scrubby areas or some native grass areas, but consider having hay out. And once again, rule of thumb, 
with cereals that are deficient in calcium, magnesium, and salt. So provide a mineral supplement containing them just so we can avoid milk fever or any other metabolic diseases. Plus, you will pick up some growth rate by providing those minerals. Daniel, we're starting to see an increase in the number of containment lots across the Mallee Sustainable Farming region as they're useful supplementary feeding tools for over summer when paddocks have low ground cover. How do farmers then manage the transition out of containment lots and say on to green feed such as grazing crops or pastures? It's um, yeah, critical that producers start thinking about that release probably right when they actually put the stock in the containment. So it's a bit too late to think about how you're going to release it the day before you're going to release. If you get it wrong, it's disappointing and you undo all that good work that you've already done having them um, confined. So um, the aim is to avoid deaths and scaring that could lead to DAGs or even fly strike. And also we want to try to avoid a break in the wall, which is a lot harder to get right, but we um, once again try our best to do that. So just remember that the rumen is a big fermentation tank. Um, there's lots of different fungi, bacteria, protozoa in there and all those bugs are used to eating hay and grain and dry feed and then all of a sudden you, they need to adapt to the green feed. So those bugs need to change, the populations need to change and this takes time. So you really got to do your best to be able to um, give them a slow transition onto that green feed. So I'll give you a worst case scenario first. If the sheep aren't vaccinated and you let them straight out to lush feed with an empty rumen. So you're going to have issues doing that. So you need to work out a way that you can best transition over a one to two week period. Look, at the end of the day, that is time consuming, but the rewards will be there if you do it properly. So the first thing you need to do, and once again, this is um, pre-release, you need to vaccinate mainly for pulpy kidney, and that should be done 10 to 14 days prior. And then to see how, we, how do we adjust that rumen onto to green feed. So maybe you could have some small paddocks set up next to your confinement. They could be sown to the same feed source they're going onto. And then you can sort of let them out there for, yeah, fill them up with hay and grain in the morning, have their normal feed, and then let them out in the afternoon for a couple of hours or hour to get a, a bit of a pick of that green feed, then lock them up. And you might do that each day for a week or two weeks, maybe potentially increasing the, the time each time you let them out. So if you can't do that, you might have some poorer quality pasture or barley grass around the yards or potentially some native grass areas that you can let them onto so they can get some green feed into their rumen. Once um, that day that you're going to finally release them, make sure they're full of hay that day. And potentially if you've got using hay feeders, you might look at that final feed of hay. It's actually spreading it out along the ground so every sheep gets a rumen full of hay before they go out. Once they're out in the paddock, Ideally, keep the hay up to them as a roughage source. You might continue feeding grain and sell feeders or trail feed grain and you might do a reverse feed budget there. So the same way you introduce the grain to them, you might take them off the grain by reducing the amount of grain you give them each day. So, And, yeah, just keep the mineral supplements up to them. At the end of the day, it's good livestock management to observe the animals and observe any animal health issues that there may be. That's great, Daniel. You've covered a lot of ground there. Where can people find additional information? I guess if you talk to your local animal health advisor or there's some probably good information from the grain and graze from a few years ago, I've done a lot of really good work on grazing cereals, which covers off on most of the stuff I've actually talked about today. Daniel Shupin, Livestock Consultant with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Thank you for joining us in the Ag Talk Victoria studio today. Thank you, Drew, and it's been a pleasure talking to you.